in part two of our four-part series on the return of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Matthew 24 and 25 and some signs to be watching for, for the return of the Lord. It was something so important to Jesus that he spent two entire chapters answering the question, Jesus, when are you coming? When are you going to set up your kingdom on the earth? And so we went over those. Does anyone remember the four places that Jesus gave us to watch? Sky. I, I think I've collectively heard them all. Very good. <laughs> the world, the church, the Middle East, and the sky with me. The world, the church, the Middle East, the sky. One more time. The world, the church, the Middle East, the sky. Great job. You're good listeners. We watch the world for wars, rumors of wars, famines, diseases, earthquakes, all kinds of natural disasters happening. However, do not be troubled. These are the beginning of the birth pangs. We watch the church for persecution. Jesus said, you will be hated by all nations for my sake. We watch for offense, for betrayal, for the love of many growing cold, from the lawlessness that's increasing. We rid our hearts of offense in the midst of that and continue to release mercy. But we also see the gospel going to all nations, and then the end will come. We watch the Middle East for a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. And for a man standing in that temple, declaring himself God, exalting himself above any other God. And if you're in Judea at the time, flee to the mountains. Then we watch the sky, cosmic disturbances in the sun, the moon, the stars falling, all the powers of the heavens are shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man appears in heaven, and he gathers his elect from one end of heaven to another. Amen? That's last week in a nutshell, if you missed it. This week, I want to go over the book of Revelation with you. I'm very excited about this, because the book of Revelation, it's called the revelation of Jesus. The word apocalypse actually means unveiling, revelation. It's the revelation, the unveiling of this man, Jesus Christ, whom we love deeply. And it's his specific plan to transition the earth for the age that's to come. And I tell you, this book, I believe more than any other book in the Bible, Satan has tried to snatch out of the hands of the church from debate in the early centuries of the church as to whether or not it should be included in the Bible, to centuries later, to people trying to take it out after it was, including Martin Luther. Man said a lot of great things. We love that man. That was not one of those things. (laughs) But thank God for the revelation of by grace through faith. Amen. Lord, we bless Martin Luther. Thank you for that man. But even today... People look at this book and with a lot of intimidation and a lot of fear and a lot of confusion. And so my goal today is to give you a roadmap so that when you open this book, by, and I'm talking by the end of my teaching tonight, that you say, hey, I think I can get this. Because friends, your inheritance is in this book. 
And, and, and folks today, I know people that start getting into this book and they have friends around them in their churches, well-meaning believers that will discourage them from getting in. Say, no, 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 that's too intense. That's not for us to understand. That's a lie. That's a lie. Even when I mention the book of Revelation or the subject of eschatology to many people, the most common response I hear is, well, you know, there are a lot of different ideas on that, a lot of different interpretations. Friends, get in this book. I'm not asking you to subscribe to my interpretation today, but I'm asking you to dig into this book because your inheritance is described in it. Jesus says, blessed, blessed, blessed is he who hears, who reads, and who keeps the words of this prophecy. No other book in the Bible opens with a blessing like that. And no other book ends with a curse that says anyone who adds to this prophecy, the curses in this prophecy shall be added to him. And anyone who takes away, who removes from this prophecy, the blessings in the eternal city shall be taken away. (laughs) Makes you a little sober when you start teaching the book of Revelation. (laughs) So (laughs) my goal is not to add or remove or, or anything. My goal is to give you a roadmap and understanding and outline so that we can really start grappling with this thing because I want you to experience all that God has for you. So, um, this book is about God's victory over Satan, not vice versa. See, a lot of folks open up the book of Revelation and they see dragons and beasts and fire-breathing demons and, <laughs> and lots of scary things. And they are like, ah, Satan's taking over the world. <laughs> no, the opposite's happening. Satan is being driven off of the planet forever. And you and I have a deep partnership to play in this task with Jesus. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. So also when people open up this book, they see judgment. They see 21 specific judgments that are released on the earth. The seals, the trumpets, the bowls. Seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. I'm gonna break those down as we progress through this. But what folks usually do when they read this, one of two things. Either they see how intense these judgments are, and they either, one, say, whoa, this is so much, there's no way the church is going to be present for this because then we would have to suffer through this, and God doesn't make his children suffer because he's good. Um, Friends, we will be here. We will be here, and we will be deeply involved in these events. The other extreme that people do is is they look at these judgments and they're like, ah, God is like executing judgment on, on the church. Like what's wrong with God? Is he just in a bad mood? No, friends, these judgments, these 21 disasters are not happening to us as helpless victims. They are being released through us in partnership with Jesus. God raised up Moses and Aaron to confront Pharaoh and the Egyptian empire, and they released the 10 plagues against an unrepentant prototype of the Antichrist. In the same way, the praying church is going to be in full partnership and unity and agreement with heaven 
to release the 21 plagues of revelation on the Antichrist and his empire. Satan's going down. And the principle of God's judgment is this. Jesus is using the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. I'll say it again. Jesus uses the least severe means to bring in the greatest number of people at the deepest level of love without violating anyone's free will. Love is not love if it's not voluntary. And he's removing everything that hinders love. And unfortunately for some, it will take some severe circumstances to wake up and to repent. God does not delight in the death of the wicked. He wants people to turn to him. But his judgments, Isaiah 25, are released in the earth that the nations might learn righteousness. So, blessed is he who reads, who hears, who obeys the words of this prophecy. Let's eat this book up, okay? Eat the scroll, the angel tells John. Eat this thing up. I, some of you may decide today that you want to read this book through week by week by week for the next month. I'd encourage that. Sit down, read it through in one sitting. Take you hour, hour and a half, two hours, just depending on how fast you read it. It takes me about an hour and a half. Um, or you can listen to it on audio Bible. It's incredible. Word of promise. Really good. <laughs> um, read it over, over. Hear it over, over. Keep it, obey it over and over. And you'll be prepared for what's coming, what is described in this book. Um, when we read it, I would encourage you strongly to take it at its literal, plain meaning, at face value, unless the text tells you otherwise. You know, some get into this book and say, ah, too many symbols, too many weird things, too many creatures, I don't know what's going on. But friends, the, the book of Revelation is really good about defining what is a symbol and, and, and actually interpreting exactly what it means. For example, the dragon. The Bible says clearly in the book of Revelation, this is Satan, the devil, that serpent of old. It makes it really clear, friends. In, John, in, in Revelation 1, Jesus appears to John and he's walking in the middle of seven golden lampstands. Seven golden menorahs that are burning in the presence of Jesus. What could that mean? It says in the text, the seven golden lampstands are the seven churches in Asia Minor. And it actually lists the name of the cities of those churches. It's quite clear, the major symbols. Um, and we'll go through them. So there are um, four main parts to Revelation. And the fourth part has five chronological sections where events are happening in sequential order. And we're going to break that down. And seven major symbols. We can handle seven, right? Okay, we got a slide. Great job. Great slide, people back here. These are our seven main symbols of Revelation. We already mentioned number one, the dragon, symbolic of Satan. The second one, the first beast, 
we see a hideous beast with seven heads and ten horns come up out of the sea. This beast is symbolic of the Antichrist and his empire. The third symbol is another beast, symbolic of the false false prophet. And in fact, he's only called another beast one time. Every other time he's referred to in the book of Revelation, it's the false prophet. It's a sort of Moses and Aaron, anti-Moses and Aaron going on here. So this first beast and the dragon, they come up and they have seven heads and ten horns. It's not a pretty creature, friends. It's a mean dude. Seven heads, ten horns. Seven heads, ten horns. Say it with me. Seven heads, ten horns. What could they mean? The text tells us. It says in Revelation that these seven heads are seven kingdoms. Seven empires. Five have fallen at the time John received this prophecy. One is in existence at the time of the prophecy. That's what the angel tells him. And one's yet to come. So most people, most most people, most scholars um, agree that these seven empires are historical empires that have persecuted Israel. So we have Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, and Greece. Those are the five that had fallen when John received this prophecy. Rome was in existence during the time John received this. The one to come, many will say, it's a revived Roman Empire. That we will see in the earth rise a kingdom that will carry the same spirit and heart, in a negative sense, of the former Roman Empire. I, however, would like to propose to you another idea that is held by others, and you and Jesus can talk about it (laughs) and see what you decide. This is the most debatable of the seven. Um, That the seventh head is actually the Ottoman Empire. They ruled all across the Middle East for hundreds of years. A former Islamic caliphate. And perhaps we will see, I believe, a revived Islamic caliphate in our day. I'll let you and Jesus decide that one. But, um, and a lot of these symbols are parallel with Old Testament scriptures, um, Old Testament symbols in the book of Daniel, um, Zechariah, even some things from Genesis. And I've listed the scriptures there in the handout. Um, so to help make that clear. So we had seven heads that were seven historical empires, but then ten horns, which are ten future kings. We got that? Seven historical empires, ten future kings. And in fact, it says that in the text. Ten kings will arise. They will give all their power and authority to this beast, to this Antichrist. So there will be a future 10-nation confederation that serves the Antichrist. Or, in other words, if the opinion that I lean most towards, at least today, a 10-nation caliphate. Might hit more on that next week. The sixth symbol is a harlot Babylon. We see this prostitute riding on the back of this hideous beast. And this is actually 
a worldwide demonically inspired religious and economic system, but it will be based in a rebuilt city of Babylon. When John sees this woman, the angel tells him, this is Babylon. And it says multiple times, city, 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 city. Some people have said Babylon, America is Babylon. It's not a nation, it's a city. It will have influence in many nations. Some people said the harlot Babylon is the Roman Catholic Church. It's not a religion, it's a city that will pervert religion. And then lastly, the woman with the male child. The woman, there's a parallel symbol in Genesis 39. Joseph has a dream where he sees the sun, the moon, and 12 stars. John sees a woman standing on the moon, clothed with the sun, with a, with a crown of 12 stars. It's the faithful remnant of Israel throughout history. And the male child is Jesus. Okay? Seven symbols. Not too bad, huh? How are we doing? Okay. Holy Spirit, let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you. You're a father of glory. And we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation today. We ask for increased understanding and light to penetrate our hearts. That, Lord, you would unveil the beauty of your son Jesus to us right now. Lord, I ask for this book to be opened to us today. That, Lord, we would see the nature of Christ revealed in the book of Revelation. And that, Father, our hearts would, and our minds would have confidence of our ability to understand today. Lord, I ask for you to focus our attention right now on your son. We say, Jesus, we're hungry for revelation of who you are. Give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Put on your seatbelts. We're about to fly. (laughs) I need your minds. I need your eyes. I need your ears. That's what I tell the furnace. I need your eyes. I need your ears. Your eyes means you're looking at me. Your ears means you're listening, not talking. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Um, Okay. So let's go over this four-part structure of the book of Revelation. And by the way, Mike Bickle has a really good study guide to the book of Revelation right here. Um, Book of Revelation study guide. Pretty simple title. (laughs) You can get it on the IHOP website. You can probably find it on Amazon. You can even get it on, they have an iPhone app for it um, as well. So lots of uh, ways to get this. But it it gives a really great breakdown of this book. And um, you may not agree with everything he says. You may not agree with everything I say. But I think that this is the best resource that we currently have available that makes this book available and, and approachable. Okay? So, get it. So, four-part structure of Revelation. You have it in your notes. We also see it up here. Um, Part one, John's calling to prophesy. Chapter one, John has been exiled on the island of Patmos. He is serving, or he is under a Roman empire that included emperor worship. And there was a day in that time called the Lordy Day. And on the Lordy Day, everyone was forced to bow down and worship the emperor. And on the Lordy day, Jesus comes on the scene and the true emperor of heaven comes down and reveals himself to John. 
and he says, John, I've got a message that I want you to deliver. In Revelation 1, we see a physical, a lots of physical descriptions of Jesus that I believe import, uh, that reveal important inward truths about his nature, truths about his inward nature. Um, meditate on them. Pour over that, that appearance of Jesus. Visualize it in your mind. Jesus, he comes in with eyes like a flame of fire. He comes in with his face brighter than the sun, feet like burnished bronze. You get a picture of the glory of Jesus. Take into your prayer time. You will position yourself for some really cool experiences with the Lord as you give yourself to meditating on those revelations of Jesus. So, um, and I believe that they're meant to equip us and energize our hearts for the trouble that's coming, that's described in the book. So, part two, Jesus delivers seven letters, seven messages to seven churches. Um, he's giving specific instructions to seven first century churches in Asia Minor, which is modern day Turkey. And they were most relevant to those particular churches because they were dealing with very specific issues that those churches were facing. However, I believe it is very relevant, each of those letters, to the last day church, to the church today. Because Jesus is preparing his bride for a perfect storm. And we are going to face, and we are already facing, many of the issues that these little churches faced in that day. They include a revelation of Jesus. They include a specific exhortation. And they include a reward and a blessing for obedience and overcoming. Your inheritance is in these chapters, friends. These are red letters. Get in the red letters. Listen to the words of Jesus to these churches. Part three, Jesus takes the scroll. In Revelation 4 and 5, John, he's heard all these messages, and then he's taken up in the spirit, hearing this loud voice like a trumpet saying, come up here, come up here, come up here. And he's taken into this beauty, this glory realm, where he beholds the Father, and he sees Jesus, the Lamb of God, come and take a scroll out of the right hand of God the Father, and he starts breaking open the seals. This scroll is um, the title deed to the earth and his action plan to cleanse it. It's really just the rest of the book of Revelation <laughs> is what he's taken in his hand. And, um, and friends, give yourself to, to reading, meditating on Revelation 4 and 5. I've given a lot of time over the past few years to these two specific chapters, even most specifically chapter 4, but both of them are grouped together in the book of Revelation. Why? Because it is a description of where my father is sitting and ruling the universe. And by faith, because Jesus has torn the veil and cleansed me and given me confidence to approach the throne of grace, I can come in and by faith step on that sea of glass like crystal. I can come and stand in those seven whirlwinds of fire and flame. I can feel and hear the earthquakes of the rumblings as God's heart beats for his creation to come and know him. And I can behold the face of my father who shines like a diamond.
Come up here. Part four is the battle plan. Jesus has opened up a can, friends. And he's kicking Satan out. And this is how he's going to do it. This includes the great tribulation and those 21 judgments, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bulls that are released in partnership with the church against the Antichrist and his empire. His battle plan is seen in five chronological sections. Five major chronological sections that describe these judgment events. They tell us what happens to the Antichrist followers. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven bulls. And these judgments, they increase in intensity and in severity. And actually in proximity as well. There's a bit of span between the seals. There's less span of time between each of the seven trumpets. There's even less span of time between the bull judgments. They get more intense. They get closer to each other. Brace yourself. (laughs) Okay. So five chronological sections. But in between, there are also five angelic explanations. Mike Bickle termed that. Actually, his Bible school students did, and he liked it. I like it too. But these angelic explanations, they are in between. They pause the storyline. They interrupt the sequence. So what's going to happen is we see the first chronological section of the seals, and we see these seals broken one, two, three, four, five, six. And, and they get, they're so, what John is seeing as these judgments are released is so intense that it's creating some very serious pastoral issues <laughs> in the heart of John. <laughs> and these angelic explanations are when an angel comes in and he sees John probably traumatized from some of the things he's seeing. And says, John, let's take a seat for a moment. And he answers two primary questions. Why are these, why are these judgments so severe? And what's going to happen to the saints? Why is it so severe? God, what's going to happen to your people? And those are issues that need to be dealt with. And it's in these angelic explanations, again, they're in the middle. They pause. They interrupt the storyline. And then it picks back up. There's where you'll find the majority of your symbols. The chronological sections that talk about these 21 disasters are to be taken literally. The events, the numbers, take them at face value. So it's kind of like when you're watching a DVD or Blu-ray movie and you select the special feature that says added commentary. And you press play, you sit there, the storyline of the Matrix starts. Da, 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 okay, Neo meets Morpheus, and da, 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 da. they come and say, hey, come to this party and eat the, have this pill, you know? <laughs> I guess I never thought about it that way. 
And then, so you're watching, you're watching, they knock on the door, they see the little bunny tattoo on the back of the girl's shoulder, and then this little icon appears in the right-hand corner, and you can go, click, pause. And you get some behind-the-scenes information. You watch it, you see the commentary, and then click, storyline's back, Neo's taking the pill. And you know the rest. (laughs) If not, watch it. It's very prophetic. (laughs) Um, Unless the Lord tells you not to. (laughs) When you have a microphone in a church, you wouldn't believe, like, the number of things you have to be careful that you say because someone will take it the wrong way or be really offended or someone's told them not to watch this or do that, but the pastor said do it, and it's just like, no, that's not what I meant. Um, it's a lot of work being up here. Gosh, you have to, like, give so many disclaimers so your inbox isn't bleeding when you open it. It's true. So... Any good preacher knows to make as many disclaimers as possible when he makes an extreme statement. Um, so, so in these angelic explanations, they pause the storyline. They give us some behind-the-scenes info. And, 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 and don't get too lost in them. Know you're an angelic explanation because when you get in there, it's not following any sort of chronology, really. It goes all over the place. It goes back a little bit. It goes forward. It stays in the moment. It does a little dance around everything. Because the the purpose of those sections is not to explain what's going on. It's more to explain why. And so it dances around back and forth. But then you get back in the what. Lock in. Don't over-symbolize once you get back in. So, number one, chronological section one. Let's take our slide. Come on. Shay, Cameron, I go ahead and clap for her. <laughs> She's been so helpful. <laughs> okay. Chronological section number one. We've started the storyline. We've hit play. Jesus breaks open these seals that are on this scroll. And a white horse with a rider on it comes, and he starts to conquer many nations. He opens the second seal. A red horse comes in, bloodshed. A world war breaks out as this horseman rides across the earth. The third seal, a black horse. Famine and economic crisis starts spreading all across the earth. And finally, a pale horse that has death and hell following it and kills one-fourth of the inhabitants of the earth. In the next 10 to 15 years, we will have an estimated population of 8 billion people. One-fourth of 8 billion is 2 billion people. World War II, 50 to 60 million over the span of a few years. Fourth seal, two billion in the span of less than three years. This is alarming. This is troubling. 
it troubles John when he sees this happen. It probably traumatizes him. And he sees more seals broken open and the intensity is increasing as the martyrs are crying out in heaven. And then heaven is rolled open like a scroll and and the stars of heaven, the asteroids of heaven start coming down and crashing across the earth where kings of the earth are hiding in the mountains and they recognize it. They say, behold, the wrath of the lamb has come and who can stand? And John is watching this happen. And as the kings of the earth are crying out, who can stand the wrath of the lamb? John is terrified, crying out, who can stand the wrath of the lamb? And the angel comes and pauses. And he sits John down. Take a breather. We've just seen and heard some really intense things. John, I know you've seen a lot of destruction. I know you've seen a lot of chaos. But there is a seal of God that's going to be placed on the foreheads of the saints. And they will be protected from these coming disasters and from falling away. And a great harvest is coming in. People from every nation, tribe, and tongue, more than anyone could even count, were standing before the throne of God saying, this is the fruit of all of this trouble that's coming to the earth right now. We will see multitudes come running to Jesus as a result of these judgments being released in the earth. Okay, we've breathed. We're in the first pause, unpause, coming back. So, so we had sealed judgments and protection. Next section, Revelation 8 and 9, the trumpet judgments. Okay, things are heating up. We see the food supply knocked out during the first trumpet. One-third of earth's vegetation is going to be burned in this judgment. Another angel blows a trumpet. One-third of the sea turns to blood. Another one, a third of the fresh water becomes bitter. And the fourth, a third of the sun, the moon, the stars are darkened. One-third of our natural light resources are knocked out in this one judgment. What's happening here is that God is destroying the Antichrist resource base. Because these are the very things that are fueling his demonic empire. And I believe that God is empowering his people in such a way to believe for unprecedented food multiplication. for mysterious orbs of light appearing in your houses when all the lights have gone out. And that's exactly what happened in the book of Exodus. Darkness was released over the Egyptian empire, but light still shone in Goshen, where the Israelites dwell. <laughs> Light's going to be shining out of God's people too. Behold, deep darkness will cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord will appear upon you. Amen. So, Antichrist's resources are getting knocked out. The fifth trumpet gets really intense. 
an angel unlocks the abyss, and out of it comes a horde of these demonic locusts that start spreading across the earth. Friends, I think these things are going to be huge. Why? Because John sees their faces and he describes them in detail. And they are given scorpion tails and it has given them authority to torment men. And they sting men with these scorpion tails and they are in such excruciating pain that they are crying out for death, but it's not granted to them. These locusts are not given authority to kill men, but they're given authority to torment them for five months. And they're crying out for death. And the sixth trumpet blows and their wish is granted. And 200 million demonic horsemen that breathe fire, smoke, and brimstone kill another third of the remaining inhabitants. Fourth seal, two billion people. Six billion left. Sixth trumpet, one third of that six billion. Two more billion die. This is troubling. This is alarming. It's chaotic. What's going on? There's demonic locusts flying everywhere. Why is this? They're they're killing two billion more people, God? Why is this so severe? And what's going to happen to the saints? Pause. Angel comes in and says, John, I am releasing a prophetic ministry an anointing of the spirit so powerful that the enemy is not going to be able to stand against in these coming days. Because the hordes of hell are being vomited onto the earth. And friends, I believe these demons will be visible. And the people of God, it's time to get our identity as sons. And it's time to confront these things when they try to harm you. No, Jesus said, I have given you power. I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the evil one and nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means injure you. And there are two men coming, the two witnesses, two prophets that can release as many plagues on the earth as they want. And they can shut up heaven whenever they feel like it so that it doesn't rain. Why? Because they are striking down the Antichrist's resource base. And it says that anyone tries to kill them, fire comes out of their mouth and destroys that person. Satan is unleashing fire-breathing demons. God is releasing fire-breathing prophets. And nothing, nothing will by any means harm you. They were allowed to torment only those who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. You've been sealed. So, okay. John's feeling a little bit better. <laughs> so I'm going to hang out with those two witnesses. And, uh, but I believe God, he's not just, it is two men that will have a prominence, just like Moses and Aaron. But, Fear and trembling will come upon the Antichrist empire 
as it did upon the whole nation of Israel. The nation saw what God was doing on behalf of Israel. And they looked with fear and trembling on God's people. And the same's coming in the days ahead. So, unpause, back in the storyline, seven trumpet blows. And Jesus comes, he splits open the sky. The sign of the Son of Man appears. And he is gathering the elect from one end of heaven to the other. The rapture. And friends, I want us to get another picture that, that many of us commonly have of the rapture. When people think of the rapture, they think of it as being taken out of trouble. Escape. No, friends, when a trumpet is blown in the Bible, it is gathering the people of God and it is preparing them for war. And Jesus is coming and he's doing a hostile takeover of the nations. And an angel is announcing, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. And ever, and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's a great song. (laughs) Um, Friends, and it's coming as a procession. He is gathering the saints giving us our resurrected bodies, and he's not taking us out of the trouble. He's actually empowering us to be more deeply involved because he's waging war against Satan, and he needs people that can't die. It's pretty simple. I've got to defeat demons. I've got to defeat Satan. How does it do that when my people die all the time? Okay, let's make it to where they can't die. (laughs) Get to Revelation 14. You know how this warfare is being raged? Worship. The days of King Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. At least a <laughs> three armies are, are coming against the people of Israel and they put the worshipers in front and they sing of the goodness and the mercy of God. Praise God. Give him thanks for his goodness and his mercy endures forever and confusion starts coming over the enemy's camp and they start destroying each other and God's people are victorious. Worship, worship, worship. It's so important in these days. And a God, God is releasing a sound in his bride because he has the voice of the sound of many rushing waters. But he is doing a refining and he is doing a unity in his bride with each other and with himself that she will have the exact same sound coming out of her mouth and it will drown out the powers of hell. Amen. So Jesus, he makes a procession across the sky first. But he doesn't stop. He actually lands on the ground at some point. And he is marching into Jerusalem. So he goes across the sky to gather the saints. He lands and starts marching somewhere through what is modern-day Jordan, through the land of Edom. And he starts releasing the coming bull judgments on the Antichrist worshipers. 
and he starts marching into Jerusalem where he will be received by the Jewish political and religious leaders as Messiah, as King, as God. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, mighty in battle. It's very literal, that song. So, okay, this is pretty intense, Jesus. You're doing a hostile takeover and invasion of the kingdoms of the earth that resist you. Why is this so severe? Why does it have to be such a violent takeover? Because it says in Revelation, the nations are angry when this proclamation is made. Lord, can't we do something a little more diplomatic? Can't we sit around a round table? We'll get Israel and Palestine and Turkey and Russia and China and just all sit down in a room, bake cookies, and just talk about this thing. You will give you that land. You give us that land. Everything will be good. Little peace talks. Not going to happen. Why? These, this, and that's where we get. Pause. Why is it so intense? Why is it so severe? Why such a hostile takeover of the nations? Why no diplomacy? Because that Antichrist and his empire that's coming is so wicked. And he will lead the nations to worship Satan. And friends, they will take, multitudes will take this mark of the beast. And the angel, this mark is so intense, and I'm not going to go into detail this week. I plan to next week because everyone always has questions about it. But it's such a searing of the conscience that happens that an angel in Revelation 14 is released from heaven, shouts across the the entire earth, fear God and give him glory. And he says, anyone that takes the mark of the beast will be thrown into the lake of fire and be tormented day and night forever. God in his mercy is releasing a serious alarm in the earth so that people do not buy into this deception. And he will be granted authority to persecute and kill the saints. There will be miracles. There will be signs. But some of us will, will be killed. But the blood of the martyrs will bring in a harvest of souls. And people will be faced with a decision to take this mark. And they will see someone that has laid down their life in love for them. You know, hear me when I say this. Our love and outward seeming devotion, our love for God doesn't always move somebody. But when they see that we have loved them, that we've laid our lives down for them, something awakens. They will see. So, 
We've been in this pause section. The Antichrist confrontation against the saints in Revelation 12 and 14. So we're moving on. Very good. Unpause. Back in the storyline, chronological section, number four. Jesus has now landed on the ground. He's, making his, he's made his procession across the sky. He has gathered the elect, given them the re, their resurrected bodies, and he has touched down at some point, and at some point he makes his way through the land of Edom, modern-day Jordan, and he starts releasing the bold judgments. The first one, loathsome sores upon the Antichrist empire. The sea turns to blood, killing all the sea life. Earth's fresh water turns to blood. No drinking water, no resources for the Antichrist and his empire. Number four, men are scorched with great heat by the sun. People start burning and rotting. And a painful darkness is released and poured out on the throne of the Antichrist. They will release all sorts of demonic torment upon him and his followers. The nations are deceived to coming and aligning with the Antichrist and the sixth bull to come in to Jerusalem to a valley called the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of Decision, where all the nations will gather against Israel. The Antichrist is convincing people that Jesus is a false messiah, a false prophet, and that the nations need to unite to drive him off the planet. So the kingdoms of this world and the hordes of hell will gather in the valley of decision. You know, I hear so many people say, I'm in the valley of decision right now. <laughs> what they mean is they're at a crossroads and they're trying to decide what to do in their life. The valley of decision in Joel is a bloodbath. You do not want to be in that valley unless you're on Jesus' side. <laughs> no one says, I'm in the wine press right now. <laughs> so the nations come to Jerusalem. They surround the city of Jerusalem, not only to wipe out the Jewish people, but also to actually fight a war against Jesus and the armies of heaven. But what the Antichrist promises to be a war of victory is a wine press. 200 miles of blood up to the horse's bridles. And then the final bowl is poured out. An earthquake so severe that has surpassed any earthquake in human history. The islands fled. The mountains were no more. The islands that remain on this earth will go underwater. And the mountains will be leveled completely. This is literal, friends. This is an intense shaking. And the city of Babylon will be split in three. And giant hailstones, 75 to 100-pound hailstones, will be thrown from heaven upon the people who dwell on the earth. This is intense. This is severe. 
Why is it so intense? Why is it so severe? And what these bowls culminate to is the destruction of a particular city, Babylon. Why is it so intense? Why is this so severe that it has to be completely destroyed? Pause. Angelic explanation. Because the seduction of this city will permeate kings, kingdoms of the earth all across the world. It will spread immorality. It will spread demon worship. And it will kill the saints. This city will be the center of economic trade. It will be the center of arts and entertainment. It will be the center of human slavery and of murder of the saints. This city is completely corrupt and it has to go down completely. No redemption for it. Isaiah and Jeremiah both give a very lengthy prophecy. In fact, these are the two longest prophecies in the Old Testament about the fall of Babylon. The longest prophecy in the New Testament is also about the fall of Babylon. And that same spirit that rose up in men's hearts at the Tower of Babel will ripen to its fullness. And their minds will be completely bent on violence, as in the days of Noah. And it would be unmerciful for God to sit back and do nothing. So, it's intense. It's got to go down. Unpause. Chronological section number five. Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He wins the war. Revelation 19, he is riding on his horse with eyes like a flame of fire. He's burning with love. He's burning with passion. He's burning with zeal. And in righteousness, he judges and he makes war because he wants a wedding. And he enters into Jerusalem and the religious and the political leaders declare, they cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I, ah, I just believe that a literal light is going to explode across the earth as, 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 the Antichrist is wiped out and the, and the people that God has been, his heart has been beating for and bleeding over finally say yes. And Jerusalem becomes a praise in the earth. And his glory starts to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea from that very city for all of eternity. And John sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven a diamond city with the river of life, with the tree of life. With no more sin, no more sickness, no more death. And he's, he sees the beauty and the glory of this city. And it restores the earth. The river that pours out of the throne of God starts pouring out into the nations. And where all of this bloodshed, where all of this violence, where all this corruption and decay has filled the earth, new life starts to spring up 
out of a literal river that will have supernatural power. And he sees the city like a diamond clothed in gemstones. 1,500 feet wide, long, and high. Gates of pearl. Glorious angels standing guard. And the saints, the bride, clothed in fine linen. And the wedding party starts. It's glorious. Why is this so intense, Jesus? Why such a... The reward, the, 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 the judgments are more intense than we can imagine, but the reward is so much more than we could have imagined as well. Why so much? Why is this so, why so glorious? Why so beautiful? Because I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And I'm restoring all things. I make all things new. Amen. That's the book of Revelation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious book. We thank you for your son. And Lord, we ask now that even as we walk away today, that our hearts would be more energized with fascination with his glory. And that we would be equipped and prepared for the days that are ahead. In Jesus' name, amen.